To the Canadian Review Edition of Back of the Grid. I'm your host this week, Tom King, and I am joined, as always, by Chris Evans, who has muted himself. God damn it! Hello, <laughs> 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 and Stu Greenwood, <laughs> <laughs> who appears to mute himself. <laughs> hello, 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 hello. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant intro, guys. Professional um, as always. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows that we will talk about that incident. However, we are not starting there <laughs> because it will just go on and on. So let's talk about <laughs> other things first. Canadian Grand Prix qualifying. I'm going to start with a couple of things from qualifying that stuck out, really. Um, Kevin Magnuson into the wall in Q2. The wall of future champions, gentlemen, claims a victim. Yeah. <laughs> what does this mean for K-Mag's future? <laughs> yeah, questionably future champions, I think. I, I don't know if, if K-Mag can get himself in a decent team, maybe, but he strikes me as a bit of a journeyman at the moment. Yeah, I mean, he's been a Danish Formula Ford champion. Don't know if that counts. Yeah, well. Yeah. Formula Renault 3.5, is that close enough? That, uh, that begs the question. I wonder if there's. I mean, I'm already sidetracking us. <laughs> but I wonder if there's a driver on the grid who isn't champion of something. I believe I know the answer to Ooh. that, and it might surprise you. And I'm going to double check before I tell you. It's Robert Kubica. No, he's a champion. Robert Kubica is a champion of something, of? surely. Uh. I've got a Fords. feeling he's got a GP3 or something. Doesn't he have an F2, a GP2 championship? Mm, okay, so my my big answer to that was going to be the driver without a championship is Max Verstappen. He got a Formula 3 European Three, yeah. version, I think. Nope. The only championship he's won is the Zandvoort Masters, which is actually just a non-championship Formula 3 event that takes place at Zandvoort. In terms of actual championships, he's never won one. That's incredible. Crazy, isn't it? Of and all the just... drivers who could be not champions of something, I cannot yeah. believe it's Max. Uh, there's a queue of like three before him. Well, it's what happens when you just skip everything, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> he went from Formula 3 straight to Formula 1. So, <laughs> Also, in reference to Robert Kubica, I just checked, he won... Uh, Formula Renault 3.5 in 2005 and World Rally Championship 2, which is like the, the oh, yeah, under uh, yeah, respect to the main WRC. So that's all, that's so, all he's won championship-wise. So to bring, just to bring us back to K-Mag then, what has K-Mag won championship-wise? He's got a Formula Renault 3.5 and a Danish Formula Ford championship. Okay. Okay. Kerry Magnus has two more championships than Max Verstappen. <laughs> is what I'm taking away from this, yeah. Hey, speaking of Max Verstappen, he ruined Max's qualifying as long as, as well as his own teammate, Roman Grosjeans, who were both on risky last-minute hot laps. Um, and the red flag that ensued, <laughs> it, the session was over anyway because the timer had ended, but yeah. it killed anybody's laps because he did it across the start-finish line, obviously, with yeah. the world champions. So, yeah, they it were the main a... two casualties as a consequence, weren't they? 
Yeah, it was, it was quite an unusual Wall of Champions because normally when someone goes into it, they just go straight into it, whereas he sort of tagged it and then got catapulted to hit the pit wall, which you don't see that often. Mm. Yeah. Um, it was unfortunate for uh, Grosjean as well because he was on a really good, really good lap. Um, he probably yeah. would have got him through to Q Q three, and uh, yeah, sadly just couldn't complete it. Same with Verstappen as well, but it, yeah. you know, it didn't uh, damage the race at all, did it? I think one of the differences for K Mag was probably the fact that a lot of the time when you see people hit the Wall of Champions, they've generally hit the the big lumpy curb on the second apex first, and it's kind of that that throws them into the wall. Whereas I think with K-Mag, it was more that he'd lost the back end and tagged that, which is maybe what spat him back out yeah. is the rear, suspen- yeah. <laughs> uh, the rear suspension break. It was, it was for definite, r- towards the end, well, towards like the end of the, it was like right in the middle of the traction zone as well, wasn't it? It was kind of like yeah. the turn mm. had happened, but he, he'd lost the rear in the traction zone and then he, he sort of, his rear sort of slammed into it. And then, yeah, like you say, it catapulted him. Does anybody know how many G the sensors registered when he hit the I've second wall. I've not seen wall. that, no. 50 something G. 50, I think it was 50, wow. 53, I want to say. Um, but That's he's in the, in the 50s of Gs, which is, yeah. It's yeah, because he started walking back to his pits, didn't he? And then the medical car was like, no, 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 you're coming with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's like I say, it's a bit of a weird crash. Not many get thrown across like that. But yeah, mm. 50 G plus, I didn't realize it was as hefty as that. Yeah. yeah, it's a doozy. Nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, another interesting and odd spin in qualifying was Bottas's. Um, kind of summed up what was a really mediocre quality session for him, I think. Um, massively outshone by Ricardo qualifying in fourth. Yeah. Yeah, the Bottas spin. Do, does anybody know what even happened? Because I, I know I don't. Uh, how d- <laughs> I just don't know how he kept it out of the wall. Like That's one yeah. of the thinnest parts of track, and he just managed to go completely sideways. Do you know what I've noticed is this seems to have become a weird little trait of Bottas. So if you remember back in Melbourne, he he overshot, I think it was the final turn. Oh, sorry, not the final turn, like the last hairpin before you get the right kink onto the yeah. start-finish straight. And he sort of did a little donut to get back round onto the circuit and nearly clipped the wall. Then there was Azerbaijan a few weeks ago oh, yeah. where he went down an exit, spun it to get back round and nearly hit a wall. And then there was this one as well. Um, so it just seems really weird that he has this talent for spinning a car and narrowly <laughs> missing walls. <laughs> this must be the fin in him. <laughs> yeah. It's all that rally training. Mm. Yeah. Um, he was very, very lucky, wasn't he? <laughs> he was very lucky, especially given that... Um, Mercedes were had been quite busy putting a uh, Hamilton's car back together at various points over the weekend as well. Well, particularly after free practice two, when he um, Tokyo drifted it into the uh, <laughs> into the barrier at turn is it turn four? Is that turn four? Wait, yeah, was it was, wasn't four. it? Um, yeah. he, he was unlucky. He was a bit unlucky there. If uh, if Bottas was lucky around turn two, three, whatever it was. Um, Hamilton was so unlucky. I think he'd had a, if he'd had a metre more of road width, then he would have rescued that one. But yeah, not yeah. to be, he took the entire sort of left rear, uh, right rear corner off and gave him a bit of a job. He's lucky to have got away with uh, out 
puncturing the gearbox or anything as well. Very lucky. Yeah. yeah. Don't remember the last time we've seen Hamilton sat on the sidelines watching the session. No. It doesn't happen all that often. It does is it? so rare, isn't it? He's 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 yeah. so good. He's so it's so rare that he makes these mistakes. Yes, we're biased, but it's, it's just <laughs> it I does mean, help it's when not you've biased got if it's the facts, grippiest car it? on the grid. Yeah, true. <laughs> that does help. That does help. <laughs> um, but back to Bottas. Uh, yeah, that's you're right. It wasn't left him in no man's land a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, he was. It just felt a little mediocre bit mediocre the word. most of the weekend. If if I'm totally honest, going into the race mm. as well, like he in quali was massively outperformed in my opinion by Danny Rick, the Ferraris, and obviously his teammate. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, that shows in the timesheets and the grid positions, yeah. isn't it? But I think the thing, Danny, speaking of Danny Rick, do you want to talk about Ricardo's qualifying? Well, yeah, it's yeah. just stunning fourth, isn't it, really? Yeah, I mean, amazing. Fourth. <laughs> like, wow, yeah. in a Renault. <laughs> that's that's amazing. I, was re- I mean, that's a really, really popular sort of result, I think, to see Danny Ricardo doing well in the Renault. Is, is, yeah. you'd, you'd have to be a monster not to enjoy that. Yeah. Or from New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, the, the thing is, though, obviously, Hulkenberg wasn't that much further behind him on the grid because he qualified seventh just behind Bottas mm. and Gasly. So, it, in a realistic sense, I guess, like you're looking at if you want to be best of the rest, you want to be in that sixth, seventh place kind of area. So, for the other Renault to be up there as well, I think that shows that maybe they're starting to find something in the car. I guess. It could be a circuit dependent kind of thing, but um, you know, there's a lot of heavy braking here. So, and that seemed to be the thing that both Hulk and Danny were struggling with at previous circuits like Baku. The heavy braking points there is where they all they both seem to be kind of shooting straight on and, and struggling. So maybe mm. they've started to get on top of something there that's brought this extra performance out at what is, in some places, I guess, a similar sort of braking zone. Hmm. It's a shame, really, that um, Verstappen got knocked out in Q2 because Ricardo was, what was he? He was only like two tenths behind Leclerc and mm-hmm. he was eight thousandths ahead of Gasly. So it would you, you would assume that Verstappen would have ended up ahead of him had Verstappen been in Q3. It'd be interesting to see just where he'd kind of sit between the two of them and whether that genuinely is Renault having pace on the Red Bulls and whether that's Gasly just having a really poor session. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it was Gasly's fastest time of qualifying was what came in Q3. So that was, it's not like he made a big mistake in his lap or anything. That was the pace he had. Mm. It's, they were a long way ahead of the McLarens as well with the same engine is the thing. Yeah. So yeah. you wonder if they've got like a quali mode on that car now because in the race they weren't actually... They were they 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 weren't in the best strategy position, obviously, because um, Danik was on the started on the wrong tire, really. But they uh, in quali, it looks like you know uh, Danny Rick's like eight, eight, temps. eight temps faster than the nearest McLaren. Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. That's a big old jump. That that's a long way. Maybe they just started building that quali car we were talking about last week a bit earlier. Yeah, yeah maybe <laughs> they're, they're, got ahead of, they're getting ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, it was speaking of the McLarens, though, Stu, you bring them up there. Like to have the the four Renault powered cars fairly comfortably in the top 10 is another sign that that engine is coming along and starting to be able to look like competing maybe with the Honda powered cars and and start pushing into that 
more top yeah. end of the field, hopefully. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I, 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 it's hard to tell because obviously Verstappen, I, Verstappen, so far through through this season, he's been around about five or six tenths ahead of Gasly in qualifying. Yeah. So I think there's still a bit of a, a gap to. I think the I think the Honda is more powerful than the Renault now. Um, it, it's it's really hard to measure that without seeing Max Verstappen's result. I think because the and and the Toro Rosso is not really a proper yardstick, is it? No, no. I think that what you're seeing there is, like we were saying before, Verstappen being missing is unfortunate because it would show how much of that quality performance is Danny Rick. And then obviously, it, like you say, it show where the Renault is in comparison because of the Verstappen, the Gasly gap for sure. Yeah, and, so. and certainly over the over a race distance, it, you know, it, it did play out such that Verstappen was able to sort of get ahead of those guys, didn't it? Yeah, ultimately. So it shows that the at least the Red Bull with Verstappen in it is still a force to be reckoned with yeah. when it comes to Well it, it just yeah, it means the Honda it means the Honda's recovered the recovered the deficit to Renault. There's I don't think there's any doubt about that now. I think the Honda is the quick the Renault is the slowest car on the grid. So for me, over the last few races, like Red Bull have been vindicated in that move to uh, to Honda yeah. engines. Yeah, I think so too. Um, yeah, I'd agree with Which that. we could do a whole thing about, but um, I don't want to get too far into that. <laughs> yeah. Instead of getting too far into that, we'll go into the race. We can do it now and talk <laughs> about literally everything we possibly can before the incident. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the first thing that stood out to me really was uh, Albon got his front wing wiped off by one of the alphas into turn one. He kind of got pinched a little bit, didn't really yeah, have anywhere really to unlucky. go. Um, I genuinely can't remember which of the alphas it was. I want to say it was Kimmy, but I could be wrong. I think it was Kimmy. But he wiped out his front wing completely, and then bits of end plate went flying towards Grosjean and wedged <laughs> themselves in like the bar of his halo and sort of down the side of his car. And all you saw is Grosjean deciding, I'm not going to do turn one and two, I'm going to deal with this, and like poking the pieces of carbon fibre from out of his line of vision, which was something I'd not seen Ever, I don't think. <laughs> it's a great onboard, though, because he's still, like, soaring at the wheel because he's on the grass with his left hand mm. while he's got his right hand in the air trying to pick bits of uh, bits of car out of his yeah, uh, bits halo. Of, bits yeah. of front wing, yeah. <laughs> bits of Toro Rosso. It just added to his weekend of, like, bad luck, really, I guess, didn't it? Stuff really like did. that, I mean, to cut turn one and poke bits of front wing out of his car. Not too much further into the race, uh, we saw a really strange failure in Lando Norris's right rear, um, which all seems to have started from overheating rear brakes. He was complaining about seeing smoke from the right rear brake duct, thinking they were getting hot. They confirmed that they were having problems with the brakes overheating on the radio, and then essentially going into the final chicane, it finally started giving way, the right rear. Um I still don't know the exact extent behind this. I don't know if either of you two do. As far as I've heard, it's that he was, I don't know if it was overheating brakes or something, but basically his rear suspension kind of just melted mm. as far as I've heard. Certainly looked that way. Have you heard any difference, Stu? Yeah, I, it's, it's all made out of carbon fibre, so it wouldn't have melted. It's, it's, carbon fibre gets brittle when it gets really, yeah, really hot. hot enough to yeah. fail, yeah. Hot, yeah, it, I mean, the net result's the same, yeah. It, it set on fire and failed. Um, <laughs> the 
No, I didn't. I actually didn't hear anything about that um, afterwards. I've been I've been looking. I've I've had, had the feelers yeah. out, but not, nothing's come back. Um, it, it looked at first like it hit the world champions, didn't it? Well, yeah. Until you saw his onboard, that was the assumption because it kind of, during the live feed, it kind of panned to him as he was heading down the start finish straight with the failure and trying to deal with it and stay out of everybody's way. So the assumption was he's clipped the wall of future champions because Norris is one <laughs> and destroyed the right rear. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. Um, the one one thing I do one thing I can bring to the sort of table on this one is. Um, Stroll, uh, not Stroll, sorry, Sainz um, pitted early because he had gubbins in his um, in some of his ducts. So mm. I think it was a I think a tear off early doors came came in, so he had to pit uh, early. Yeah, I heard a lot of people had issues like that through the race. Sainz and Raikkonen too, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So I just wonder. Well, I was going to say, I just wonder if that McLaren's um, prone to getting gubbins caught up in its uh, in its ducts, but <laughs> maybe not for people. Maybe it was just symptomatic of. A lot of crap being on the track before the race. Yeah, yeah well, it was. I, I think it was on Ted's notebook. I think, I'm sure he said it was um, Kimi as well. But they both had tear offs within the first few laps. So he's like, "Who's throwing tear offs like behind them on the off the grid at the start of the race or something?" Like yeah. one way of taking out your rivals, I suppose. No, no in the, in their defence, <laughs> like it, when when you're firing them up and when they're first getting going, sometimes a bit of overfill on oil. They're all turbocharged engines, so there's good, there is going to be oil getting into the turbo system to lubricate it. And that oil, if if it's slightly overfilled, it can blast out of the exhaust at the car behind. So th- when there's a lot of cars around, you're much more likely to get things on your visor. That's the start of the race when there are the That's most true, cars yeah. around. So true. likelihood is you're going to be taking one off early doors and then as the race goes on you probably ration them a little bit more yeah it's entirely possible actually yeah. i just like that chris assumes that it's all turned into mario kart <laughs> yeah. just dropping banana skins waiting for that blue shell but it, the, the blue shell did come we're teasing this like you wouldn't believe <laughs> it was a real shame for norris though because he was running really well i think he was eighth at the point he had his failure he'd already was he'd already passed verstappen and was having yeah. quite a nice little battle which i thought was quite nice to see because um, Norris and Verstappen uh, do sim racing together all the time. And I think Norris already said in interviews, like he's looking forward to <laughs> being able to battle Verstappen more because they kind of know how each other race from sim racing. So it was quite nice to see them actually doing some real racing with yeah. each other. And they were properly racing as well. Yeah, yeah like it the, was really good, wasn't it? Yeah, the McLaren's catching up. Like the McLaren and the, it appears this weekend, the Renault, are sort of eating into that advantage that the other cars have. I know I said that the the, the, the Honda's probably the more powerful engine, but definitely hmm. like those two sort of, it shows in the championship standings, those two are sort of just starting to eke out away ahead of um, ahead of the rest of the midfield pack now. It's kind of like a yeah, two-horse yeah. race in that no-man's land between Red Bull and, um, and the midfield. Yeah, it'd be good if they could try and keep them honest for... The remainder of the season, and we could see, like, I'm not expecting them to be regularly ahead of the Red Bulls, but to be able to push them and keep them honest and have those battles early in the race that you know might lead to them being able to defend a position that they've got is a nice prospect to have for sure. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. I guess it leads us nicely onto one of the next points for the race, which is great battles in the mid to lower midfield. Brilliant stuff. I think standouts particularly are probably Kvyat. Perez and maybe even Stroll 
all with some interesting and dicey overtakes, some impressive ones in there. Um, specifically on the Haas cars who struggled throughout the race and just seemed to go backwards. They were rubbish. Yeah, I mean, there was a few... Magnussen sort of uh, went down a little bit in my book this weekend. He he obviously binned it and, and made a mess of it, and then he was all race, like half the race, complaining on the radio to the team about how bad the car was and Mm. to the point where eventually um, uh, the Malcolm Tucker of Formula One, whose name (laughs) I cannot remember, Gunter Gunter Steiner, Steiner. the Malcolm Tucker of Formula One, Gunter Steiner came on the radio and basically said, enough's enough. Stop. Stop it. Yeah. The guys have been up all night putting your car back together because you, he never said these exact words. I'm paraphrasing, but um, you binned it. So stop whinging. Yeah. And then at the end of the race, yeah. he actually apologised. He did, on the yeah. Radio, yeah. To his credit. Mm. But still. Um, yeah. And as for Grosjean, he, I, I don't know, he was just slow. Yeah. Really. Was... I mean, well, Haas have just got some real issues, haven't they? Like, I, I, find... I don't know if it's still tyres are their problem or whether they just have a slow car, but... They've been the real disappointment of the season so far, haven't they? The hot and cold, aren't they? That's think about mm. Alpha though as well. Another Ferrari powered car. They seem to have been nowhere the last few races. Like yeah. they've been the ones that have been losing out in that midfield battle as well. Um, and they don't seem to be really pushing points like they were early in the season. So whether that has any significance or not, or it's just coincidence, I don't know, but. Mm. Um, like it just—I don't know. Both those Ferrari customer teams, if you want to call them that, <laughs> seem to be struggling at this point in the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, considering the Ferraris supposedly the fastest engine, yeah, it's only Ferrari who are quick with it at the moment. Yeah, I mean, mm. with the greatest respect to Williams, Russell beat Magnussen. Yeah, on track, like that's 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 not not a good look for them, is it? Where did Russell finish? Uh, he was 16th, and Magnussen ended up 17th. He was sandwiched between thing, the two Williams. I, ne- I never see the results these days. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, for Jew's sake, then, like, like that, that bottom of the order was, it was Giovinazzi in 13th, then Grosjean in the Haas, Kimi in the other Alpha, George Russell in the Williams, Kevin Magnussen in the final Haas, and then Kubica last on the road in the other Williams. Um, he was a lap further down than the others, but uh, yeah, mm. that's that sort of shows where those t- two teams are kind of slipping into, and I guess where Williams are starting to claw things back a, a little bit. Yeah, to their credit, to their yeah. credit, there has been improvement from their point of view, or it seems so anyway. If if there's an issue at Haas, I think the the, the main issue is is probably a setup issue for this race. I'd say I I don't think things are quite as bad there as what. You're sort of making them sound like what? Um, what would you say is the problem for Alpha then? Because they've been doing nothing for the last three weekends. Well, Alpha have just simply they simply don't have the development capability of the rest of the other teams. That's the Alpha situation. For but for Haas, it's it's getting the tires. I think it is a tire thing still for Haas. And yeah, I also think this weekend particularly they just could they just did not find the window. They they were chasing the car the, mm. the entire weekend. They never once looked quick. Um, and that's the only reason that they're where they are. I think next race, 
you know a bit more normal track um in what is it france next isn't it france there's yeah some yeah. similar so actually, elements to this not, not quite not quite a normal stuff. track but th- there's some there's plenty of opportunity to get the tire switched on though that's the thing there's some yeah. high there's some medium to high speed corners around that track um so i think they'll probably be a bit more on song and if they're not there they definitely will be in austria i'm going to hold you to that but I guess the idea, the aim of the game is to make a car that works at all tracks, not just the ones where well, exactly. you put yeah. a lot of energy through the tyre. But then, you know, I mean, that's a whole other thing. We could, that's a whole other path we can go down if you want. Like <laughs> the tyre, the, there's been calls this week from certain teams to uh, go back to the old Pirellis from last season that had a thicker gauge. So it's easier for everyone else to switch them on because there's only one team that's actually got these tyres working properly and that's Mercedes. And it shows. Yeah, yeah it really does. Yeah. Um, last thing to mention before the incident, um, <laughs> Ricardo did actually hold on quite well during the race uh, for the most part. Um, he was eventually passed by Bottas and Verstappen to finish sixth, so down two positions from where he started. But I think to be able to have a little bit of a fight, at least with Bottas more specifically than Verstappen, but uh, it was a little bit easier for Verstappen, I think, which probably highlighted how rough of a weekend Bottas was having. But I think, it, again, it just comes back to mm-hmm. good signs that Ricardo was able to have that fight in the first place rather than yeah. what we've seen in previous weekends this season. Some slightly suspect defending, I would suggest, at points. Yeah, I guess to a degree. It was borderline. I don't know. It's racing, isn't it? There's plenty of space. Bottas just had to, went the wrong way. He had to get out the throttle, though. Like You shouldn't have to mm. get out the throttle midway down the straight because someone's chopped in front of you. It was it was borderline, I think. I think it was like I'm not saying it was deserving of a penalty or anything like that. I think it was on the edge. Okay. Don't start penalty debates, Chris. Not yet. <laughs> We've got plenty of those to come. Also <laughs> worth pointing out that there's a good chance Ricardo would have lost another place to Hulkenberg had the team not told them to hold station. Mm. Apparently, like to paraphrase, apparently on the team radio. They asked Hulkenberg to hold position. He's like, but I'm faster than him. Let me let me fight him. He's like, and they say, no, you've got you got cooling issues. Like, leave a gap, cool down your car, hold position. To which Hulkenberg said, well, if I pass him, there's tons of free air in front of him where I can <laughs> yeah. do all the cooling that I want. Intelligent the, response. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the thing with that, um, the reason why they were holding um, Hulkenberg back was because. Ricardo had started on the he'd, he had to pit a bit sooner because he'd worn his tires out mm. sooner because he was he used his tires up quicker because he was in actual battles yeah. with people for position to get ahead or to defend his position like the one with Bottas um and and to an extent with Verstappen so he was pushing that bit harder so I think team wise it probably wouldn't have been very fair for them to just you know allow Hulkenberg through mm, when yeah. when Ricardo over the weekend, particularly in qualifying, has done the better job. So yeah. why should he be penalised for then having raced faster cars by having his teammate uh, yeah. you know, let through like that? That wouldn't. I'd be really disappointed with Renault if if they'd allowed that to happen. Plus, they're running in the best points paying position they have all yes. season. Yeah. Sixth and seventh the other way around doesn't give Renault any more points, so yeah. you might as well get him not to take any risks at that point. Exactly. And do you know what, where that's put them? It's actually I actually don't. I haven't looked at any of the air standings it has since the race. Doubled their points tally 
yeah. <laughs> from 14 right. to 28. And they are wow. two, right two behind points McLaren. behind McLaren, who are now on 30 points. So in yeah. one race, they've uh, they've gone up. I think they were in eighth, and then now in sixth, they've gone up two positions. Yeah, isn't it amazing what happens when both your cars finish a race? Yeah, yeah. no. So eight, eighth to eighth to fifth, is that right? Yeah, eighth to fifth is what they've done. Roughly. Yeah, eighth to, eighth to fifth, not sixth. That is eighth a to, jump. To fifth. Yeah, proper jump. But that just shows yeah. you how tight the midfield pack is. If you get a good result with both really your does. cars, then you know you're in for some. You're in for a big jump in positions, and it's great. It's yeah, exciting. It that's what we want to see. So. More of that, please. Okay, it's time. <laughs> is it is time? It time? time. After time. a brief pause, it is time. The incident. <laughs> Prepare yourselves, everyone. Everybody knows it by now, but um, the incident was Seb running deep into the turns three and four chicane, ran across the grass on the inside of turn four, came back onto the track, still wrestling the car, and ultimately ended up squeezing Lewis towards the wall because Lewis was trying to go around the outside of him effectively uh, when he saw that he was slow. He ended up being given a five-second penalty, which demoted him to second behind Lewis, and debate has ensued ever since. (laughs) So let us continue said debate here on Back of the Grid. (laughs) Right. Fair penalty first. I guess let's... Let's just immediately bullet point our positions on the penalty. Fair penalty? <sighs> I, want on, keep, I, I want to keep my powders to... right. Yeah, I'm kind of nervous about saying, I don't want to go first. Someone else go. I'm not going first. <laughs> <laughs> my, my initial reaction was that it was a travesty and it was a terrible penalty. Um, like he... The, the problem for me was that... I don't know what else they expected him to do in the situation. Like if you're on the grass and you turn the wheel more, you're in the wall, probably taking Hamilton out. If you jam the brakes on, you're in the wall, probably take Hamilton out. When he had a second kick of oversteer over the curb on the way back in, if he hadn't turned into it, he was in the wall, probably taking Hamilton out. So I don't know what else he could have done in the situation, which makes the penalty seem very, very harsh. That being said... Having taken today to sort of look at it again and read a bunch of stuff and try to have a a clearer head, I can see why the penalty was given in hindsight. Like, at the end of the day, by the letter of the law, he broke the rules. The lead up to it aside, the rule says that you don't rejoin the track in a dangerous way and you leave a car's width, and he didn't do those things, regardless of the lead up to it, so I can understand the penalty. So I've I've sort of landed a bit 50-50 on it. And I think mm. it's it's a it's a bigger discussion to get into, but I think ultimately the way I feel about it is that my issue isn't so much with this awarding of a penalty, it's the rule in general that I I guess it doesn't allow you to take account of the circumstances. And yes, the stewards could take account of the circumstances, but then everybody's been asking for penalties to be applied consistently for the last five or so years. And as soon as they start using other circumstances, you're not applying the rules consistently anymore. So I think think in general, the rules around things like that just need looking at is where I've landed on it. Uh, I think I think you're right. Um, I think a lot of the angst from the... So there's two sides to it, isn't there? There's two sides to the argument. There's the, yes, the penalty is deserved argument. And, and there's the 
no, the penalty isn't deserved argument. It's like the remainers and the leavers, right? And the other one's going to look at the other one <laughs> and just hate each other. Um, the people who think the penalty should be applied would argue that he deliberately blocked Hamilton from getting back on the track. Um, and I think that forms the basis of most people's argument for a penalty. So what I would say to that, the way I've looked at it is, did he deliberately block Hamilton? No, I don't think he did deliberately block Hamilton because I've gone through it. I've watched literally every camera angle that there is of it. And he definitely had a big oversteer moment um, as he came back onto the track. It's not immediately clear on, from his onboard, but like that jump over the curb and he was already, he was already oversteering in the direction. So his, his rears were moving towards the right um, at that point. Well, it, already when he was on the grass. And then when he went over the curb, they were moving a little bit more. So he had to turn into it. He had to turn right into it to catch that oversteer moment. That's that's how you catch an oversteer. It just so happens that because it didn't actually look like a huge moment because he was going relatively slow, that it looks like he sort of turned in on him on purpose to a lot of people. And it's just not the case. Like his, his tires would have been cooled slightly. He didn't have the grip there's just no way he was ever going to be able to rescue that car and not have an accident unless he turned his steering wheel in that direction. And unfortunately, in doing that, that did move him into the path of Lewis. I, I just don't see what else he could have done to to have to have got back on the track safely. Like I I, I don't really think it's a penalty myself. Overall, I think I'm probably. 70% not penalty, the rest penalty. So, eh, mm. yeah, I don't know. Tom, what's, what's your take <laughs> on it? Um, I'm probably more your side than I am Chris's, but I agree with Chris as well in the respect that I think that the rule or the way that the rules are written needs to possibly be looked at because I've seen a lot of arguments saying things like, well, when Verstappen pushed Kimi uh, out of the way yeah, by coming yeah, back onto yeah. the track unsafely last year, that was a five-second penalty, so it's consistent. And the difference for me here is Verstappen had control of his car in that scenario, and he knew what he was doing. Vettel was still literally still wrestling the car to try and get it back on the circuit safely in the first place, and he was doing what he could to stop that being a problem. And I think the the fact that he acknowledged that he could see Lewis and he was trying to do something about it was sure that maybe there wasn't the intent that some people seem to think that there was. But mm. I think that's why there needs to be some sort of clarity in the rule, I guess. And I don't think comparing it to some situations are the right way to go about it because they are circumstantial and... I think that some of the ones that have been used as examples by people aren't yeah. the right ones necessarily to use as examples. Yeah. Well, this is it, isn't it? We've, there's no two incidents in any Formula One race that are the same. Every track is different. Yeah. Every corner is different. And, you know, you can go from one track from one season to another and a corner be completely different in terms of, like, how much grip mm. there is there. So... It, I don't envy the stewards. Like it must be very difficult to apply um, consistency when you've got such a dynamic set of goalposts, sort of moving here, there, and everywhere, up, down, left, right, mm. all over the place. Um, I think you're right. I think the the rules 
do need to be sort of changed such that that things like that can be taken into account. They have like applied the letter of the law in a, in a sort of draconian way, I guess you'd say, wouldn't you? Like they, they've just yeah. put put the hammer down and said X Y Z. It's black and white. This is this is how it is, and unfortunately what it's done is i think this is the thing that people are most upset about whether whatever whichever camp you're in whether you believe it was a rightly issued penalty or not it ruined the race once again yes and formula one's got a knack for this like once again we've been robbed of a really really close race between two the top two drivers how often do you see in formula one the top two protagonists from the top two teams, wheel to wheel like that. You just don't, do you? Yeah. Every time you do something like this happens, it's so frustrating. Yeah. And the it comes down to as well things like the, the rest of the race. All I've seen people talking about is this one thing, but there's, there's other people like what we've already covered that have had really good races. And there was so much, what was actually turning out for me to be a very interesting race compared to some of the ones we've had recently is suddenly hit with this huge black mark of all anyone wants hmm. to talk about now is this penalty and what it, whether it's right or wrong. And, and that's kind of why, <laughs> with the way that we've done this, I sort of steered us as long as possible without talking about it because I think there's so much more worth talking about. <laughs> you did well. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it just that, that irritates me that it's caused that, I guess. Yeah. And just the fact that the five seconds decided the race alone is like... Mm. That's huge that the top two were close enough that a five-second penalty decided the result. Like, mm. you look back in the past. Like, remember Mark Webber's first win at the Nürburgring? He had a, a drive-through, a stop-go penalty and still <laughs> won the race, such <laughs> was, like, the level of dominance he had. And, like, the fact that now five seconds decided that, that's amazing. We finally got this close race that we've been wanting all season and not had. Through, but as yeah. you say, we've unfortunately, we've just got this dark cloud over, the, over a lot of it. Yeah. It's that Ferrari look again, isn't it? Yeah, I know. I know it's not the same incident, but mm. there was a lot of sort of throwing around of the 2011 Canadian race this weekend, um, which is the one where Jensen won it by pitting about yeah. eight times and ended up <laughs> at the back and all sorts of chaos. <laughs> um, and there is, there's one, well, there's two similarities to this that I, I find interesting, but one is. It's Vettel making a mistake under pressure in Canada again, which is interesting as a talking point. But also, do you remember in that race where Jensen and Alonso came together and it kicked Alonso into the same wall that that yeah. this incident occurred around? But then there was there wasn't even a penalty there. There was not, nothing happened because it was a racing incident. So, and that literally involved a driver yeah. hitting the wall and being put out of the a race. Collision. That was actual yeah. collision. Yeah. And that was yeah. considered a racing incident. So that's that's my take on why you can't just compare one incident to another. Because if you want to go for incidents at that corner, then there's been worse that have resulted in less penalty. The thing is, like, how how can anyone, any steward, be expected to have that encyclopedic <laughs> knowledge of a particular corner of and all the things that have ever happened at that corner before in order to consistently apply? Any, for, exactly, any sort yeah. of rule. It has to be subjective based on what you're seeing in front of you at the time and how you deem deem it to go, you know? Like, it's, yeah. impo- it's just impossible. But as you say, you, you it has to be in that because you can't 
remember all the things happened that corner before. You can't compare it to other tracks because, as you said before, there are other tracks. Like I've seen a lot of people saying, "Oh, well, if the wall wasn't there, Hamilton would have just driven around him." And it's like, but the wall was there; yeah. it's always <laughs> yeah. been there. I don't see how that's relevant. Yeah. It's not like they've built that wall between qualifying and the race yeah. or something. Vettel himself said um, that Hamilton could have gone the other way he could have passed on the other side but um having yeah. watched the onboard from hamilton he couldn't have no <laughs> he was he was, was already well, too pretty committed to the racing line i think wasn't he to kind of play devil's advocate a little bit is there an argument to say that hamilton seen vettel in front of him bouncing across the grass heading back onto the track at an angle maybe sticking his car between Vettel and the wall wasn't the best place to be put in your car. This is why I stand that I'm not 100% sure it should be a penalty because exactly that. Like If you see that scenario unfolding in front of you, you do have to make a split decision, granted, but it's as much his decision to try and go for that gap knowing full well the wall's there and that's the direction Seb is heading. It's as much his choice to to go there as it is to back off or try and go the other way. And I, I know it's like a like a millisecond decision uh, because of the speeds that it's, they're driving and they have yeah, to react yeah. at, but it that I think that is still a factor in it that that's where he ended up. And he, he did back out to avoid that squeeze. He... He went for the gap, so yeah, I think that's that's definitely a factor for me as to why I don't think it's necessarily a penalty. Mm, I think if if you if you Lewis look at looking at having seen those watch those on boards frame by frame over and over and over again today, there's honestly you, there's you, you're not going to be able to go down the inside. You, I don't think you'd have even been able to slow down. Mm. to to take the inside line because he was already fully committed to the corner and you can't break mid-corner through there or you're in the wall yourself. Yeah, so Yeah, it's a one-line corner. Yeah, it's one-line corner and he's on the racing line and yeah, yeah, there was nowhere for him to go. There was literally nowhere for him to go. I don't see how he could have ever got past him at all in, under any circumstances in that corner. Even if, even if he hadn't blocked him, I think it would have been like side by side all the way down to the next turn. Vettel would have been on yeah. the inside line and would have out, and probably would have outbraked himself because he's had colder tires. <laughs> but yeah. still, like the net result ultimately, I think would have been the same. Maybe I'm talking rubbish at this point. I no, I, I, but I sort of agree with you. Like, I just I don't think it was the right time and to to be making the move. But it, like we say, it's a difficult a difficult thing to prevent when he's on the racing line and the car's coming at him but oh. i just it, it just it really comes down to racing incident for me like that that's just where i end up sitting with it and it annoys me that we've ended up in this situation full stop i guess that's it if if we're saying we don't see what else vettel could have done and we're saying that hamilton basically didn't have time to do anything else like surely that's the definition of a racing incident yeah like, there was yeah. no I, I, I'm with you, Stu. I don't buy the Vettel did any of that deliberately. It's just a thing that happened and things yeah. happen in races. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about this for God knows how long. We've all watched in slow motion from every angle. It happened in... The whole incident lasted about a second. Yeah. Like, you you don't have time to make these decisions. You just react when mm. it's just a thing that happened. Just to play devil's advocate myself again. <laughs> yeah. 
and to ca- to sort of counter my own argument, um, we you could see from Hamilton's on board that Vettel had sort of lost grip on the entry to the corner. Yeah. So there's an argument to say if Vettel's at the entry to the corner and you can see his lost grip, you could take that corner slightly slower to allow yourself the inside line. You'd need a lot of foresight to think of this in the fraction of a second that it happened. But Mm. to take the corner slightly slower, take the inside line and get past him that way. But And if he'd done that, we'd all be saying what a heroic move it was to take the lead of the race. Yeah, yeah. How amazing it was to have that sort of, that vision and that inspiration to be able to make that move. But obviously that's not how it played out and that's not what happened. Um, The other thing I'd say as well is that Vettel, the reason that this happened, I don't think it's necessarily poor driving from Vettel. I think he got caught out a little bit by catching up the cars ahead and lost a little bit of downforce on the rears. Because it was his rears that went and he was catching, I think it was a Toro yeah, Rosso yeah. who was catching up to lap. So if you're looking for a reason as to why it happened, for me, that's probably the closest you're going to get to a reason as to why the mistake was made by well, Vettel. I was about to sort of steer us this way because it, um, it was either Jack Nichols or Jolian Palmer I heard today made the point that with all the antics after the race, which I'm sure we'll talk about, Vettel's kind of distracts everyone to talk about that and the penalty. But when you come back to the whole thing, this is another mistake from Vettel when he's leading a race and when he's near Hamilton. Like, mm. it is is this another? You know, does this sit up there with his various spins last year and earlier this year and Germany last year? Like. Mm, is was, it just an unfortunate thing or is this another genuine mistake under the pressure? Look at it this way. When he was driving that Red Bull, um, how many times did he spin it in the lead of a race? Once. That I once, remember of. Yeah. <laughs> it was once. It was um, here and it was uh, JP chasing him down. It, yeah. it was, it was. But the point I'm making is the Red Bull handled a, a lot better than the Ferrari. That much is clear, I think, because you don't put the same driver in a different car. Uh, yeah, fair enough. It's a different formula of aero and stuff like that now, but still, like, he had a car that suited him much better, I'd say, in the Red Bull than he does with the Ferrari. And I think there's something about the Ferrari. And you saw it with Kimi Raikkonen as well when Kimi was there in, I think it was in China, um, 2016 or 15, where it was just lighting up the rears sometimes like the, the energy yeah. recovery was kicking in or the turbo maybe had too high a boost or something, something was happening to give really, really high torque delivery at the wrong time for the driver to drive the car effectively. And I'm starting to wonder if they've never actually fully remedied the drivabilities to the drivability issues in that engine I wonder, historically, past Ferrari engines have been difficult cars to drive. Past Ferraris Mm. have been difficult cars to drive. There's been a knack to driving a Ferrari, people have said in the past. So is that a thing that still exists? And is is it just a really, really tough car to drive? Possibly. Yeah, well, it it is the thing we talked about in the past. Like, uh, there was, um, it was 2009, wasn't it, when... Fisichella moved to Ferrari for the 
uh, last chunk of the season. Admittedly, we're talking about a decade ago now, but you know, this is this was Fisichella probably at like at his best. He was coming off the back of a pole position in Spa for Force India and nearly winning the race. And yet he got in that Ferrari and was nowhere. And everyone yeah. said a lot of that was down to just the Ferrari being just a very unique, different thing to most of the F1 cars. And maybe, like you say, there still is something to that. And there's still this drivability thing that just makes it a very different car to drive and potentially not suiting Vettel style. Yeah. Yeah. The, the ca- Formula One cars do have like lineage in them. They do have sort of design mm. traits that last for years and years, sometimes oh, decades, sure. like depending on how an engine formula or a, or a aero formula sort of pans out. So, and it depends, obviously it depends who's driving the car, designing the car and driving the car. Um, I, I really think that the, that it's, it's simply not as good a car as what, as what maybe it should be. And as a result, you've got a four-time world champion in that car who's having issues driving it. And you're never going to hear any of the drivers at Ferrari ever criticize the Ferrari because it's a Ferrari. And you don't criticize Ferraris. <laughs> Otherwise, you get the sack, as we as we say. As we've said this before on here. It's true, though. It is true. Mm, it is. Have we covered it? Is that the end of that debate? No, it can't be. <laughs> it's, it's never the end of that debate. We've been going for 20 minutes on it. So. <laughs> Let's add some more controversy to the fire by saying, Let's. why didn't they tell Charles Leclerc that Sebastian <gasps> had a penalty, everyone? Because that's, that's the other bit that everyone's been talking about if they haven't been talking about the incident well, itself. Do you know why Bonotto said they didn't? No, actually, I've not heard that. He said they didn't tell him because they forgot. <laughs> no really? way is that really the excuse yep. they're going with that really oh, is oh wow that's brilliant and that is ferrari everybody do we <laughs> do we really believe the size of some of the screens around these racetracks do you really believe that charles leclerc didn't know that vettel had got a penalty it doesn't show the penalty so much though on the on that does it like it, it, maybe you'd have seen the incident on a replay or something but unless somebody tells you something like that you're not going to hundred percent know it. He's not going to be able to read the thing, is he? As he drives past it, if it does, come you'd, up you'd on be the surprised. You'd be, you'd, you'd be surprised, mm. Tom. Um, like, I know yeah, they pick up some things, talk about, but yeah, I don't know if they pick that up. And it's, it's not on screen that long, though, is it? The little penalty notification yeah. thing. So I guess if you didn't it's happen true. to be near a screen at the time, but those little icons next to uh, the two names showing that you showing you that they're under investigation. Those little amber. <laughs> um, exclamation mark signs there they were there for a while while they were ex- investigating that but detect the time i i think maybe he did know i think at, at the end of the race he asked um he was asking about maybe that's when he found out it was a penalty actually on the radio he was asking maybe, yeah. him about the situation so i wonder if it was right at the very end that they actually told him well he came pretty close to knocking vettel down to third didn't he in the end yeah he did really close yeah. well that's why i thought he knew because he was pumping in he suddenly started pumping yeah, really, really fast laps like you could see on the if you've got f1 tv you get like all the uh all the data channel and stuff like that so if you if you're listening and you're lucky enough to have that it's it's a really cool thing to watch during a race because you get to see all the sectors and you could see on there he was just lighting up purple sectors he nearly got the mm. fastest lap of the race he was i think he had the second fastest lap of the race but bottas got the fastest lap at the end so i think what, what was the gap at the end i think he was only like a s- less than a, just about just under a second off um yeah 
It wasn't off much. Of that yeah, after that. the time had been factored in. I think one more lap, he might have got um, he might have got the second place on the podium. Yeah, the, the mm. bit of radio that I heard for that was them telling him after the race because they told him maybe on the cool down lap because he asked the question, "Did he still win though?" And they said, yeah. "No." <laughs> he yeah, second, I think and he, he was like, "What?" <laughs> I think he knew. I honestly think I think he knew. I think he kept it quiet, but I think he knew. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> like you say, if he was pushing that hard. Yeah. If I you're think they push Leclerc, that hard if they can though for fastest lap point, don't they? That like true, that's true. that's these days yeah, that's a feasible reason to be doing that. If he's got tires and life in the car and everything and he's got clear air, he's probably gonna try and push for that fastest lap point. Because yeah, well that's not what only that now. though, like if if he's caught wind that Vettel might have a penalty, then what's to say that if, if he knows that the team haven't told him, he knows that he knows his position in that team. He knows they're not going to say to him, Vettel's got a penalty, push hard, you can steal his position. Then that's never going to happen mm. in a million years. That's no. not going to happen at Ferrari against the number one driver. But in his head, if he's already realized that he's got the penalty, he can say to the team, I'm going to try and get fastest lap and by default start catching them up and get himself into a position where he might be able to nick second um, and keep his nose clean in the process of doing it because he's not actually, they. as far as that he's concerned, they don't know he knows that he knows. Vettel's got the penalty, <laughs> so he's just going to push. They'd, they'd have to slow him down. They'd have to say, slow down, you're going to overtake your teammate, wouldn't they? Yeah, yeah. He's kind of like calling them out by doing that. I think. Mm, yeah. And you know what? We'll never know. We'll never know. And we'll never know if Vettel <laughs> meant it either. Like the other thing I'd say actually about just, just the last thing I'll say about, oh, about, oh, drop something about Vettel, um, whether, it, whether or not he meant it. Part of me feels like, yes, he had that oversteer moment and yes, he knew he had to correct it. He's the only person who will ever know how much grip he had in that moment and whether or not yeah, he had yeah. to straighten the wheel out that much in order to keep himself ahead of the car behind. So if you're in that position and you already know you've had a little oversteer moment, how much effort are you going to go? How much effort are you going to put into correcting it when you've already got a live excuse there wiggling around in your hands, showing mm. the world that you're not in control of the vehicle, you know? Like you, yeah. you can put just the right amount of effort into to save the car and still hold on to your position and hope to get away with it. And a, a dark part of me, deep inside, <laughs> thinks maybe, <laughs> just maybe, that might have been what he was doing. Which I have no problem with because any other driver on that grid would do exactly the same thing. Well, yeah, and Hamilton literally said as much. Like he would have done exactly the same thing as Vettel in that situation. And I think, like, actually, like, every other driver would have done. Yeah. 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 I mean, well, I mean, we're probably going to get to see all the telemetry because Ferrari have said they're going to appeal it. Um, there was a, a lot of people unsure about whether it's actually possible to appeal something like this, but apparently it is, there is a way is. that can do it. Yeah, there is. Whether anything will come of that, I don't know. I guess we'll see. It's a, it's actually um, a really old rule. Some rand- I don't know exactly what the rule is. I'll look into it, but it's a... It's a really old, random, weird precedent rule that um, <laughs> that they've dug out, and it is possible. Hmm. The 
Interesting. What do we do with Predictions League then? <laughs> if that changes. <laughs> we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. I think, yeah, the result is like 24 hours afterwards. It doesn't change. We should throw that in there. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose what we should do is move away from this entirely and talk about our bullet points, which are number one, driver of the day. Any nominations, gentlemen? Before we do that... <laughs> Uh-oh. I'm just completely derail you. We've got a bunch of inbox stuff on this whole penalty. A penalty inbox. A penalty inbox. The penalty box. <laughs> Let's call this bit the drive-through. <laughs> the drive-through, yeah. Yeah. Um, and and I, I am going to do is at the speed of a drive-through because there's a lot of opinions here. So I'll just quickly rattle through all the various opinions we've had in. Shall we do a quick sting for uh, penalty stuff? Shall we just make one up now, really quick? Go for it. Penalty oh, stuff. Oh, 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 it's a penalty. <laughs> why did mine sound like f1 and yours sounded like football <laughs> i don't know maybe it'll turn into a really good sting one day that there's, there's, there's something there there's something in that penalty stuff <laughs> your stew sounded very cryptid factor and that is a very niche reference that very few people are gonna get <laughs> <laughs> actually i didn't even think of that it did a bit yeah. <clears throat> right quick drive through uh, Stephen Barlow, uh, Ferrari have had a good weekend and then FIA take it away. It's not their year, is it? Roland Hill said, while it was clearly not intentional, Seb did maintain position by cutting a corner. I'd have liked to see him force to give it a position and then have the rest of the race to earn it back. At least then they would still be racing for the last few laps. I've seen a few people say that. Maybe it's time to bring in an official penalty where you just tell someone to give a position. Mm. Maybe that would be a better way of dealing with these things. Mm. Uh, Vasco Brettenfeld says, do you think the stewards room should be composed of at least two drivers that have been in F1, F2, FE in the last few years? Uh, I never drove an F1 car before, but I imagine going on the grass at 300 plus kilometers an hour and then regaining control in time to not put in the wall is a challenge in of itself, (laughs) um, which is a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Peter Reynolds says, even as a massive Lewis fan, that's BS really is what the hell is Seb going, what the hell was Seb? Seb going to do. If he tried to slow on the grass, he could have spun. Really annoying. K Mangum 95, he was sideways and doing speeds that were getting a ticket on the motorway. Ridiculous penalty, that. The, ooh, here's an interesting one. El Hijo de Delatraz posting experience uh, says, uh, it's a constant penalty that's been given out previously for similar instances, Verstappen and Roken in Suzuka 2018. And the fact that Ferrari fans are so upset is hilarious. Not a Ferrari fan then. Uh, you know Vettel would have called the same penalty if Pastor Maldonado did the same move while battling for the lead. Uh, the rules in general are trash and should be reworked. Instead of moaning, people should be working towards changing the rules to make for better racing. This one this one I thought was really interesting from Oliver Abrahamson. Uh, I don't really buy Vettel's explanation that he squeezed Hamilton because he didn't have the grip, but for argument's sake, let's say it's true. Shouldn't you be penalised if you make a mistake that forces someone into a wall? With that logic, shouldn't you be penalised if you lock up and drive into the rear of someone just because it's a mistake? Drivers are accountable for their mistakes. Was it sad? Absolutely, but I think it was fair. You can't change the rules just because people want Ferrari to win. Uh, Don't care who wins, just want great racing. Which I think is a fair point. There's lots of other situations where if you make a mistake and it causes someone else an issue, you get a penalty just because it was a mistake doesn't excuse you of it. I think mm, it's a fair point. Yeah, I, I guess there is that, but... That's just a racing incident mm. then, isn't it, though? Like, things, ha- things happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. A, it's one of those yeah. things, like, things happen. 
Um, and then a very last thing on it. Obviously, every pundit and ex driver in the world has had an opinion on it. Um, but I thought this was quite good from Mario Andretti, who said, I think the function of the stewards is to penalize flagrantly unsafe moves, yeah. not honest mistakes as a result of hard racing. What happened at the Canadian Grand Prix is not acceptable at this level of our great sport, which I think is a very good point. That well, is actually a, a good way to start justifying what is worthy of a penalty or not. Dangerous, unsafe driving. Is worthy of a penalty. Yeah. A mistake that ends somebody's race, probably worthy of a penalty, d- depending on like the nature of taking somebody out, even if by mistake. A mistake that leads to something like this is, a, like we've already said, where I think it's becoming harsh. But I think that from Andretti, is a, coming from an ex-F1 driver, somebody that's so well-respected within motorsport generally, I think that's yeah. a very good... <laughs> tweet to highlight yeah mm, it's probably the, the, it's probably the most articulate response i've seen to uh yeah yeah the, to the storm <laughs> so far yeah and the, it, it makes it makes a very good point i absolutely agree with 100 percent of that yeah shall we finally move on from yeah this? let's finally move on to the the bullet point review moment okay so let's go for a driver of the day gentlemen i think it's stroll I didn't think I'd be saying what? that anytime soon, but I think it's I, Stroll. Do you know what? With the way he drove the race, I think that's perfectly fine um, to go with him because it was a great drive to get him into the points. And he showed some maturity that I've not seen from him yet, I don't think, really. Yeah. He made the hard tyres last 45 laps while also keeping decent pace. He managed to pit and only lose a couple of spots. He made a couple of overtakes at the end. It was a really good drive. It was, yeah. Maybe the only one that jumps to mind for me is Ricardo, just for largely for his Saturday, but also just for you know holding on for what he did and putting up that much of a fight was impressive. But yeah, mm, I think it's Stroll. And I'm, I was already saying Stroll before we started the show, so I agree with you wholeheartedly. <sighs> <laughs> Who got the official one, Chris? You normally take note of that. Uh, Vettel did. Vettel did. What? Mm, consolation prize. <laughs> I, I, I've noticed though they've started doing like live because they opened the voting for it about two thirds way through the race and they've started doing little live updates on the voting so far uh, and shortly before the incident he was already ahead by several percent so mm, fair I, I guess that's probably why then uh, who is my driver of the day I'm asking myself out loud. <laughs> I it's this it's a hard one this week because no one. I guess we were looking at that battle at the front. I mean, really, it's kind of like when you look at. I do this a lot, and I give it to Hamilton a lot because he's he has been really good this season. He's put. So what's happened here is Hamilton's put Vettel under immense pressure and pushed him into making a mistake. Really, if you wouldn't look at it that way. Yeah, but just say Stroll, Stu, it's fine. <laughs> so, f- for that reason, Lance Stroll is my driver of the day. <laughs> <laughs> to, to that point, though, Stu, I have seen a few people point out that <laughs> Hamilton made a bunch of mistakes when he was chasing as well, which does go to show that both of them were really pushing on the limit, yeah. which is, yeah. I guess, what made which it is what you want, it's, that point. It's what you want to see. They gave us what we want to see. Exactly. And that, that, I think that's another reason why the penalty is such a shame, because... Up to that point, we did we got wheel to wheel, hard hard racing, and yep. it 
it, like I said, I said it earlier. We've just had an absolute killer race snatched out of our hands yet again, and it, yeah. it frustrates the. It just frustrates the hell out of me. It drives me mad. So Lance is the word. Lance is my driver of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant uh, move of the day. Uh, there's a few nominations few. here because there were quite a lot. Um, Mainly in the midfield, to be totally honest, uh, the, some of the ones we referred the, to. The tr- I think the trouble is that there's quite a few, but they're all people passing the Hasses, and mm-hmm. Hass were just really slow. So maybe it was just really easy to overtake them. I don't know. Well, yeah, it definitely was because they didn't have the setup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I particularly liked Perez getting past Magnussen because that was down into turn eight, which is a tricky place to overtake, and you don't see that all that often. Yeah, that was after Kavir had just got past him earlier in the lap, wasn't it? He kind of it was, got yeah. on the gearbox and followed him round and got past later Burgled on. him. So that was a good move. <laughs> um, um, my, You've got um, Norris past Verstappen early on. Um, the dicing that those two were doing really entertained me. Um, it was a shame Norris yeah. didn't get... Uh, you know, it's a shame he had the brake issue and... Um, didn't have the car to get to the end of the race. Um, so I'm going to give mine to Norris, my move of the day. Well, not my Norris and Verstappen. Well, Norris's repassing of Verstappen after Verstappen passed yeah. him. That was great racing. That was the kind of yeah. thing I like to see. So mine's for Norris. I'm just going to be a patriotic and say Norris too. <laughs> <laughs> Bias. Go on, I'll go with Norris. Uh, while we're talking overtakes, actually, um, we had 39 this race. Yes. 28 with DRS. Don't care about that. Which bit. is a marked improvement <laughs> from last year, which was only 22 overtakes. Yeah. So there's that. Mm. That's better. It's definitely better. Even if 75% of those overtakes were probably on Hassas. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Oh, it's almost got a nasty irony to it this week, that, hasn't it? It has, yeah. yeah. The McLaren melting itself is definitely a weird one, as we keep referred to, we keep referring to it. Like, obviously, it's not a literal melting, but it was a very strange thing to happen. Whether it it, mm. it was a bit of a WTF because I was wondering, you know, WTF is going on. Um, yeah, yeah. As much as it's not true, I do just like the phrase McLaren melting itself. <laughs> yeah, McLaren meltdown. There you go. There's your there's your, <laughs> there's your show title. Um, <laughs> I'm with you on the McLaren meltdown. Ricardo defending from Bottas. I can't give it to Ricardo defending from Bottas, though. Who wrote that? Who's put that? Was that you, Chris? Of course it was. I'm the one who brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> and he brought it up earlier, specifically for this moment, <laughs> to <laughs> sow the seeds. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I didn't bring up earlier Magnussen... Oh, I did bring up Magnus. No, we brought Grosjean, that up as well. Sorry, Grosjean. Yeah, yeah. Grosjean, Grosjean moaning. When Grosjean got, when Perez got past Grosjean to turn one and they bumped wheels oh, and yeah. Grosjean got straight on the radio at his weekly whinge. Yeah, um, yeah that was a bit, yeah. a bit wet blanket, wasn't That's it? That's probably my WTF, actually. Um, Grosjean on the radio whinging about being overtaken because you hear at a race and you're not fast enough, you're going to get overtaken. Don't whinge on the radio about it. Race. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'll throw in a nomination for Bottas managing to spin on one of the thinnest bits of track on the calendar and not touching anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> From, that yeah, made me go amazing. WTF. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hamilton, Hamilton in FP2, man. Like, 
you'd never see that. Yeah. And it, there's some really amazing shots of it as well. Like some of the camera angles they caught of him drifting into that barrier were, well, yeah, barrier, great. concrete wall were awesome. And it was a big WTF moment. You're just like, what? Even though it wasn't in the race, it was still like a big deal. They had to work hard on that car. Yeah. Oh, totally. How about K-Mag sticking it in the wall and ruining his teammates qualifying in the process? That's a good one. Oh, we're spoiled for choice, aren't we? How about we come up with one more just because why not? <laughs> we have so <laughs> many nominations this week. <laughs> I have got one more. Um, a Mercedes Go. <laughs> strolls, strolls Mercedes, Lewis, can't speak. Strolls Mercedes engine going pop in practice as well. Hydraulically, yeah, that's never often. Yeah, they had to. Was it Stroll? Or was it Perez? One of their engines, anyway, had went and um, yeah, they, uh, they had to replace it. They had to go back to the old spec. Yeah. So many. Um, Pick one. <laughs> I think for me, it's it's Magnuson moaning and then his subsequent dressing down from Gunter on the radio. Yeah, he did. That's I could go between. Do you know what? Just WTF getting the setup wrong on Hassers. Like, what was going on with them? Yeah. That's just Hass in general. Hass. It wasn't much time to set up Magnuson's car in the end, was there? True. <laughs> They've barely finished putting it back together. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think if we, we can give it overall just to Haas's weekend, they've had an absolute shocker this weekend. A lot of yeah, uh, yeah, it's been miserable negative energy around that team. So let's let's I'd quite happily do that if you if you guys cool. are keen. Let's do it. Let's lock it. Yep. in. it's done. Works for me. It's locked. Uh, it's locked. <laughs> Chris, do you want to take us through predictions? Yes, um, Stu. Uh, me and Stu. Uh, went out for Sunday lunch before uh, the race and Stu was very confident about his predictions and he was looking very good for him at one point and it all sort of fell to pieces, unfortunately. Yeah. He did indeed get a Vettel uh, for pole position and he probably should have got a Vettel for the win, but that didn't mm. happen. So luckily me and Tom scraped a point back for Hamilton winning and that was all we got, one point apiece. We all came fairly close to the number of finishers, um, but we were out by a couple. Uh, Giovinazzi did better than any of us thought. Uh, none of us went near Norris for first DNF. Uh, we all followed the uh, the flowchart pretty much for first DNF. <laughs> Didn't work out for us. Although it came close, actually. Grosjean did sort of end up across the grass on lap one. Yeah. Um, and if you follow our flowchart for that race, it does come out with Grosjean. So it, it nearly worked. <laughs> As for the listeners, uh, three people scored three points this week. Brian and Conway, Grayson, Cessna, and George Coleman. They all got three points. Well done to you guys. At the top of the table, uh, we've got Neil Hyde still in the lead on 14 points, followed by Casey O'Brien, who I think has jumped up a bit this week, into second on 12 points. Uh, alongside Justin Pearl and Tom Monk, both also on 12 points. As for us, Stu, you are 49th on 7. Yeah. I am 67th on 6, and Tommy's 85th on 5. So only two points cover all three of us, which is very mm. exciting. Mm. And then finally, our bonus prediction from last week, uh, who was going to win the raft race. Uh, none of us got that right, because there wasn't one. <laughs> best outcome which was an anticlimax somewhat yeah. first time in ages they've not had a raft race it feels like, how long have we been doing the raft race for 
Well, it was missing for years, and then like two or three years ago, they made all this fanfare about we bringing back the raft race, and now it's just gone again. They were all too busy putting cars back together. That's why. <laughs> yeah, probably. You know what? That could be. Could be it. Probably just decided not to. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Mechanics elbow deep in an engine. Like, can we? Can we not? Can we just <laughs> <Yeah>. not today? <laughs> Should we do some real inbox? Yeah, box box. Some real inbox penalty related. Inbox. We're not just driving through this time. This is an actual. So start. Shall we? Yeah, actual inbox. Um. No, no fake jingle this time. Um, I'll start. Uh, we've got one from Tom Austin Morgan that says, here's a couple that don't involve steward decisions. Was Lance Stroll actually driver of the day? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. How difficult, sorry, how brilliant was, how difficult is it to read out messages when your co-hosts speak <laughs> over you? Very. How brilliant was the racing up and down the field? Quite a few noms for move of the day this week. Correct. Am I ever going to score a point again in the predictions league? Probably. Well, if you keep entering, you might. Yeah, probably more chance than us. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we've uh, nailed that one. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Charlotte Taylor says, what's going on at Haas? The speed isn't there and the drivers do not seem happy. Twice this season, Gunther has had to come on the radio and calm its drivers down. Are they just having bad luck or is there something more serious going on? Sort of already talked about this a bit, but this definitely feels like more than bad luck. They've still got some fundamental issues I think they're not getting on top of. Mm. Um, maybe it's just as you said before these current cars seem to have quite a small setup window and maybe they're just not finding that window as often as other teams are yeah yeah I I think we've we've kind of covered it a fair bit this this episode but it's yeah for me it's just it's a tyre thing I think it all comes back to that tyre issue they're all having yeah agreed uh next george coleman says do you think that hamilton has the psychological advantage over vettel as vettel seems to make mistakes every time he's near hamilton <laughs> mm. uh, get in your head wouldn't it it would if you if you yeah. if these things keep happening it would probably get in your head somewhat <laughs> how much so yeah. who knows i mean they're pretty hardy guys these race drivers um it wouldn't be where he is if he wasn't hard as nails in the head so yeah it's it's tough to say that one I think what it would be nice to see is Hamil is there, sorry Vettel having more pace and chasing down Hamilton. We've not seen that for a while. It'd be interesting to see how they both deal in that situation, yeah. Rather than Vettel being the one doing the defending, yeah. See if Vettel gets in Lewis's head when it's the other way around, which is entirely possible mm. because we know that Lewis can get pretty stressy when he's under pressure. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, they all yep. can. They all can. Any driver would, wouldn't True. they? Yeah. Of course, yeah. Um, Katie says, the positives are that when Ferrari don't cock up strategy, they have genuine speed. After quality with <laughs> so many drivers out of position, I was genuinely excited for the race for the first time in a while. You're not on your own, Katie. I was tripping yep. excited for this race. I was really looking forward yeah, to definitely. it. Yeah, definitely. I don't I, think we were um, disappointed overall. No. I think if it had not no. been for the incident... We'd have all been coming away thinking this was a really good race and it's just a shame. But yeah, I think I agree with what she's saying completely. Yeah, I was going to say that Ferrari actually didn't cock anything up this week, but actually they did kind of cock up Leclerc's strategy, didn't they? They yeah, left they him out in no man's land on some tyres, yeah. but we've we've talked about Ferrari yeah. cocking up strategies too many times this yeah, year. I'll, I'll say one thing, I'll say one thing about that and that's... Ferrari seem to only have the capacity to strategize for one car. Yep. It feels that way. Yeah. 
Yeah, agreed. That's all I'll say. That's okay. that's just a statement. I'm just going to throw that out there. We can move on. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tom Delacour says, were Ferrari right not to tell Leclerc about Vettel's time penalty? We've already kind of touched on a little. Yeah, I mean, as you sort of said before, I think any other team would have been telling their driver he's got a penalty, get after him. And I, f- and I still find it very hard to believe that they just forgot to tell him. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, they definitely didn't forget to tell him. That's what I'll add to that. No. Um, we, 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 <laughs> yeah. kind of, again, we've we've kind of been we've been over it, so I don't want to you know labour it too much because it's we're just don't dwell on it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He knew. He knew. <laughs> he knew. Uh, Brooke Archer says, if uh, it was a double points finish for the Renaults, do you think they've forgotten the horrible start they had to the season and will continue to progress from here or will they fall back into the midfield battle? If this performance continues, it looks good for the 2020-2021 cars. Yeah, I think that it's a good result for them, like we talked about earlier, because of how much it projects them up the standings from a constructor's point of view. I think that the promise McLaren have already been showing with their engine shows that it was more them needing to get on top of their car. And this maybe looks like the start of that. I can agree with all that and think that, fingers crossed, they'll be able to go into their home race in France and actually pick up decent points for both cars. Yeah, I think the the really big thing that I hadn't thought of until you mentioned earlier, Tom, is that this is them doing well at a track that really shouldn't on paper suit their car. Yeah. Yeah. Like big power sections, big braking zones, like that's been their Achilles heel. So yeah, it really does feel like they've turned a corner with that car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I agree with all of that. Um, Zach says, what does Lewis Hamilton have to accomplish to become the greatest specifically F1 driver of all time? He seems like he's not going to stop winning for a while and has a shot to get more championships than Shumi. Uh, what does he have to do? I suppose win more championships than Schumacher, right? That'd yeah, be the, uh... I think that's it, isn't it? He's, as I said, we've said before, there's these records that Schumacher's got that have just seemed completely unbeatable for so long, and he's he's creeping towards them. I think he's going to end up beating yeah. most, if not all of them. Yeah, it's going to be a rocking that goat emoji. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Uh, Alex Thompson says Grosjean again moaning about being overtaken completely legally Palmer commentary noted that instead of complaining Roman should have just defended the inside is Grosjean under pressure for his seat as he seems to be completely outdriven at the moment I think he's under a lot of pressure for his seat Mm. where is he contract wise do we know one as year, far as I'm aware, both their drivers, yeah, are on just kind of rolling one years. Mm. Then I'd say yes, he's definitely under a lot of pressure because this is already his second bite at being an F1 driver, if you remember. So, yeah. yeah. Well, how often do uh, Formula 1 drivers leave Formula 1 and then come back and race in Formula 1 again? Normally, once you're gone, you're Never. gone. Yeah. It's um, happened a fair bit more in recent years, though. And who knows? Maybe Alonso will grace us with his uh, with his <laughs> prowess on the behind the wheel at some point in the future. If this McLaren keeps uh, moving forward the way it is. Uh, next, uh, Tim Panzi, which is one of the better names we've ever had, that's a strong uh, name. Says, "Do you think that Ferrari have what it takes to stay with Mercedes, or was this result just a one-off? What do you think about Dan Ricciardo's weekend? What do Renault need to improve on, in your opinion?" That is a big question, isn't it? Is this just one track that suits Ferrari or have they found something? Well, I don't think next race will prove anything otherwise because 
although it's a, a return to a slightly more normal, for want of a better phrase, circuit, um, there's still a lot of long straights, high braking zones in it, down that back straight mm. with the chicane thing in it. So I think that we're going to see something. I'd expect to see something similar in France anyway. Agreed. Yeah, I think as we all know, it's it's tyres are my favourite subject, and it all boy keep saying this. It all boils down to tyres for all the teams. It's not just Ferrari and Haas and whoever. Um, high speed corners, more high speed corners in France than there are in um, in Canada. So the Mercedes might have a bit more of an advantage. Maybe it's it's just so difficult to tell. Like, it, yeah. I'd, I'd, I think maybe we might be in front of a close one in France, um, but we'll see. <laughs> I don't know. I, I added nothing to that. <laughs> it's going to be a tricky one. It's going to be a very tricky one. Um, just trying to find the best chicken says, I hate the chance of overtaking percentage. It needs to go. I agree with you. I don't see the point. I agree entirely. I don't think any of us at any point have liked that graphic, have we? Yeah, if you want to know why it's there, it's because Amazon Web Services pay a lot of money for it to be there. <laughs> the, the thing is, you know the gap, the highlight of the gap between the two drivers that are currently like making pit stops that could lead to something, that bit of it is fine. Like That's interesting information to be able to see as to where hmm. the driver might come out in relation to the pit stops, but the, I just don't get the percentage. I'd love to meet someone at Amazon that is the person that's calculated that percentage and have a chat to them and see what's involved because it, it just intrigues me where it comes from. I think it's not even a good advert for Amazon Web Services because it's just like, here's a number we've plucked out of the air. There's no like... Yeah. It, it's, weird. it's just very there is, wishy-washy. There is, there is data and logic that goes into it. So I'm it's, sure there is, but... But yeah, like it, it, unfortunately, all for all the data and the logic that goes into it, it does seem to spit out a random number, and you never really quite know what it, any of it means, and it changes so often that it's almost like, what's the point? I I don't. The reason I don't like it is just because it kind of ruins. It can ruin the drama of a situation. So like when you had um, during the pit stop window for Hamilton, when I think Vettel had pitted before, and then it was hammer time. Hashtag hammer time. Um, for Lewis to sort of push and maybe get the jump on him in the pit stops. We saw it go from a 50% chance of it being an overtake to like a no chance of being an overtake. And that's what I don't like about it because it takes that drama out. It takes that unknown out as as, as a member of the yeah. audience. Yeah. You kind of, you already knew that there was a chance that it could get him on the undercut. And that thing coming up during the process of the undercut completely took away all that excitement and drama so i'm dead against it i think it, they need to find another more creative way of um using the data yeah agreed i was thinking actually during the race because they, they seem to use it a lot during this race um and i've been watching quite a bit of the cricket world cup the last couple of weeks and they use a lot of technology yeah. for reviewing decisions and stuff but the way they use the technology has its own sense of drama to it. Like everybody is watching this, like for the Hawkeye, for example, everyone's watching yeah. at the same time, like the technology tracking the ball to predict if it would have hit the wickets and stuff. And that's got drama to it, even though what you're watching is a visualization of a bunch of data. And as you say, I think the data's there. They just need to find a better way of 
displaying that to add to the drama rather than taking away from it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that is it for Inbox this week. So thank you very much to everyone who has sent something penalty-based or otherwise. It's always good to hear from people. If you would like to get in touch with us for future episodes, you can find us on Twitter, which is Back of the Grid F1. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Back of the Grid. And you can head to backofthegrid.com where you can register for the Predictions League and you can fill in the contact form there to send us an email if you don't do social media. Uh, that is all for this week's show. So join us next week as we look ahead to the French Grand Prix. Uh, It's goodbye from me and goodbye from you two, I guess. Bye. I I suppose so. Bye. (laughs) Bye.